What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Tricky Takes podcast presented by the Box Score Network. Got the three standard hosts this week, me, Austin, and Connor. What's up, guys? Yo, yo. Howdy. So just finished up week four of the NFL season. And also, finally, we are into postseason baseball. So we are going to uh, have a little combined episode between the two this week. So uh, you guys want to start out with our September teams of the month? Let's get it. Yeah, I would love to. So final month of the year for the regular season baseball. Wild card rounds are going on right now as we record. Uh, so we're going to start out September uh, at the catcher position. Carter, why don't you start us off with who you got? Yeah, so I uh, was looking at it and didn't really see anybody separate themselves too much. Uh, So I ended up just sticking with William Contreras. He had kind of a pretty average, top average uh, statistical month. Uh, Really helped Milwaukee make it that, you know, wild card push to clinch the uh, three seed. So I, I just went with him. Uh, I mean, 333 average, led the position, uh, still did have a very high strikeout rate, but scored a lot of runs and stole four bags, which is a lot coming from a catcher. So, you know, it's a, a lot of good to see. And he was very good defensively. Well, yeah, um, obviously one of the best defensive catchers in baseball this season, uh, a great player. I actually went in a different direction uh, I went with Bo Naylor for the Cleveland Guardians, who only 19 games in this month plus one day. The, the season went through October 1st. We're including September 1st through October 1st. Um, only 19 games, so not a huge sample size, but in that 19 games, he hit four home runs, drove in 13, scored 14, also stole four bags, same as William. Uh, but did uh, include a nearly 20% walk rate to an only 14% strikeout rate, batted over 300, got on base over four, almost 450, and slugged over six for a 186 WRC plus, and played some pretty good defense too. He's he's improved a lot behind the plate over the last couple of years. So he's who I went with, and I get it. He didn't play, you know, almost 30 games like William Contreras, but given that Contreras kind of was just above average and Bo Naylor really, to me, stood out as someone who was exceptional in the 19 games he did play. So that's why I went with him. Yeah, as like a Guardians fan, Bo Naylor was uh, definitely on my radar. I saw a lot of him on my social media this week and throughout the rest of the month. Uh, But the 19 games is kind of what held me back from going that route. And uh, I went with Adley Rutschman. He helped his team secure the number one seed in the AL. He hit 292 with a 156 WRC plus. He only K'd 13% of the time compared to a 16% walk rate. And uh, he also drove in 18. So I think Adley, you know, what he brings to the team, the leadership and how he helped them secure that number one seed, uh, along with a productive month. So he is my pick for, uh, for catcher for September. This is a tough decision. We've got to come to some consensus since we all have had different opinions. I'll go ahead and say if I had to pick between Adley and William, I would lean towards Adley. I can be very happy with Adley. I mean. Could I talk anyone into a Bo Naylor 
or are y'all pretty? I think because of the 19 games compared to 26 or 29, I think that's kind of where I'm at with that one. Okay, so if we're if we're saying Bo didn't play enough, I respect that decision. I would lean towards Adley. Connor, you're you're okay with going Adley? I am okay with going with Adley. I was yeah. between him and William. So both both of these teams did end up, you know, clutching a, a playoff spot for their guys and Bo Naylor, obviously the Guardians didn't make it. So um even more reason to to go with one of these guys. So uh, let's move on to first base. I'll go ahead and give mine. This was by far the easiest decision this week when trying to decide who to go with. It was Matt Olson. Yeah, you really can't argue. Anybody else is even near him statistically. Uh, I mean, 11 homers, 24 runs scored, and 27 ribbies. That's that's hard to beat. So Luis Arise played second this month, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, a little okay. bit of first, too, but... A little bit of first, but I just wanted to make sure you guys were counting him in. Yeah. Uh, listen, I uh, I appreciate what Luis Arise has done this season, but um, I don't know. It, I think just overall, it's hard for me in this day and age to get behind someone who just lacks power at all. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. Well, he did hit five home runs in September. Drove in 11. Uh, he's getting on base more than higher than a 400, you know, on base percentage. Mm-hmm. He struck out only two times this entire month. Walked three. <laughs> so. Not not a big fan of the three-tier outcomes, Luis Arise. No. <laughs> so, uh he was my pick just because striking out twice in a month and getting and you're in walking only three times, and you're still getting on base at over a 400 on base percentage. Uh, I mean, plus he, yeah. he showed some power this month. He had a two homer game had five total. Uh, and yeah, the Marlins ended up making the playoffs. So he was my pick, but Marcus Simeon, obviously great season. Moving on to Third base now, the hot corner over there. Yeah, third base. Uh, I actually went with Gunnar Henderson. I was, was kind of torn between him and Austin Riley. I ended up going with Henderson. Uh, he struck out at a slightly lower rate than Austin Riley, and his isolated power was slightly higher. Had one more home run and a few more RBIs than Riley. I like run production at third base. Um, meanwhile, Austin Riley's a slouch at that, but I ended up going Gunnar Henderson. Well, I'll tell you what, if you like run production at third base, I've got a name for you. Royce Lewis. Dude only played 18 games this month, but had 23 runs batted in, thanks to um, a handful of grand slams. And this is another one. He you know, didn't play a ton of games, but shined so incredibly bright in the games he did play that I think, I mean, I just could not overlook him. Like I said, 18 games, 23 RBI, six home runs, 15 runs scored, four stolen bases, a 14% walk rate, 
batted 313, 410 on base, 600 slug, a 181 WRC plus, and is actually playing pretty good at third base. Not incredible, not going to blow your doors. I mean, he's an outfielder playing third base. I mean, came up his whole life playing outfield. So for me, it is Royce Lewis. Again, if y'all can't look past the 18 games, totally respect it, but I I was just in love with what he did. Yeah, I I get it. I I respect it for sure. But again, you know, you've got these guys that will get hot for a quick stretch, and his was only 18 games. And Gunnar Henderson, you know, again, kind of same thing with Adley to help lead his team to uh, clinching the number one seat in a very tough division. So I, I would have to give it Gunnar the nod over Royce. Austin, what's your opinion? Um, God, this one's so close between Gunner and Jose. I think, and so I like to, I really like to talk about run production and run scored and that kind of thing. But that's really when you're talking about, you know, apples to apples uh, in terms of the quality of team and comparing the quality of the Baltimore Orioles to the quality of the Cleveland Guardians just doesn't make sense. So when you look at Jose Ramirez's 10 runs scored and nine RBI compared to Gunnar Henderson's 23 runs and 17 RBI, it's like, well, what would a, what would Jose of numbers have been like if he was, you know, in Baltimore with that lineup around him? Uh, that being said, I am going to go with Gunnar Henderson. All right. Well, yeah. if y'all should go with Gunnar Henderson, I'll flip my pick to Jose Ramirez. <laughs> so uh okay uh, we'll move on to shortstop now this was also one that was kind of easy for me uh the padres made a run late in the season thanks to uh, a couple players but one of them being uh the x-man himself xander bogarts 115 plate appearances 25 runs 13 batted in six steals batted over 400 over a 200 wrc plus there's really not that much to say i think he kind of walked away with this one next one give it to you yeah i'm with you there pretty easy so now moving on to our outfield positions uh if you don't remember we always do one center fielder and then our other two outfielders can be a center fielder or a corner outfielder whatever but we have to have one center fielder and that center field center field spot for me goes to the one and only TJ Friedel. Um, he was a guy I was really high on coming into the season. I had him in a lot of my like season long uh, best ball fantasy baseball drafts. Um, obviously I didn't predict him ever winning, you know, center fielder of the month for, you know, for this podcast at least, but had an absolute tremendous uh, stretch of games here. 26 of them. Seven home runs, 18 runs scored, 18 batted in, three stolen bases. Walked nearly 15% of the time. Batted 333 with a 450 on base. Slugging percentage over 700. So, I mean, it just comes out to an incredible stretch of games. I, I think he also was kind of an easy choice. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Uh, especially with that over 700 slugging. I mean, just an absolutely absurd month. And yeah, he was a big part of that late Cincinnati push that they had. 
he, he was trying to, you know, make it happen for him, get him in. Uh, it's been a fun team to watch all season, but, you know, he, he helped. He was huge this last month of the year and, you know, fun to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm also on the TJ Friedel train. Uh, I think this Reds, Reds team is going to be pretty fun to watch next year. So, uh, like where they're headed, he had a really good month. So, moving on to our other two outfielders. Uh, my first one, like Austin mentioned, the Padres made a run at the end. Here is the other big person that was helping out with that, and it's Juan Soto. Uh, just a stupidly productive month. In 27 games, he had 10 homers, 26 runs, 29 RBIs, and six steals, batting 340 for a 206 WRC+. Plus. I mean, really just doing it all, him and Xander, uh, both going absolutely ballistic there. Uh, just a great month. I also had Juan Soto as one of my outfielders. I think that was a pretty easy choice. Billy, did you? I did, yes. Uh, he had a, I mean, outstanding month. What they really were expecting from him all year long. Uh, it was really up and down season for him in the whole Padres offense. But this last month, is that's that's the Juan Soto we're, we're used to seeing that we need to see. So, yeah, I, I definitely gave a spot to him. Um, I think the last spot also is uh, no surprise for me. Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, 40, 70 months secured this season, but it really wasn't that <laughs> that put me over the the um, as him as my favorite. He had the most home runs at the position of any outfielder this month with 11, 29 runs scored, 23 batted in, 11 stolen bases, uh, walked eight and a half percent, struck out less than 10 percent, batted 340, 403 on base, and a, another guy who had a 700 slug. So, yeah, Ron Acuna, um, has won many players of the month in the outfield for us. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably we'll see him on the team of the month or yeah, team certainly. of the year. So, yeah, but yeah, like you said, just outstanding month from him. Uh, hard to pick anybody else above him. Okay, let's pivot to the designated hitter spot. This, to me, was the hardest spot to pick. Is it? I mean, I feel like it's either ridiculously hard or ridiculously easy every month. I feel like there's never, like, just kind there's of like, no yeah, I'm leaning towards this guy. No, it's it's always just a complete coin toss or a dead giveaway. Who'd you, you go with? No Tawny anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Without him, we're kind of scratching our heads here. Uh, I went with Marcelo Zuna. And I did that. Yep. Uh, kind of right there at the upper end. Uh, had tied for second home runs at the position with nine. Uh, right up there, kind of towards the top, 15 runs. But where he really set himself apart was the 26 RBIs. Uh, that was kind of the the make or break. I don't see anybody else that had more than 20. So he really kind of pushed himself past in that category. Uh, I mean, just shy of 300 average at 299, a 664 slug. So, you know, it was right there in line with everybody else, but it was the RBIs that kind of pushed him over the edge. I also yeah. went with Azuna Braves. Oh, uh, yeah, had a really good month, man. He uh, 
just what you need out of a DH run production, man. Exactly. Uh, yep. So yeah, we've been over that time and time again. Yeah. Uh, I, I did go a different way. I went Jordan Alvarez, uh, simply because Jordan walks nearly twice the rate that Marcelo Zuna does. He just gets on base more. He produces runs at nearly the same pace. Obviously this month only, 20 RBI to Ozuna's 26, but they have about the same amount of runs scored, 16 and 15, about the same amount of home runs, nine and eight. Um, oh, there's a stat that I really like using, and it's one I created. It's uh, on base plus ISO, which if you don't know what ISO is, it's basically slugging percentage, but without singles. So it, it basically gives you like the rate at which you hit extra base hits. And obviously, you know, scaled more for um, home runs and than, than doubles. But uh, Marcelo Zuna had the highest ISO and Jordan would have been fourth amongst the uh, DHs in this time stretch. But when you add that on base percentage, Jordan actually had the second highest on base plus uh, ISO. So um, that's something that I like a lot. And he had the second most um, right next to Aaron Judge, who was another guy who had an absolutely incredible month playing some DH. But uh, I really like to go with guys who are more true DHs than guys who just kind of DH some. And Jordan and Marcel are, are two guys who... <laughs> You know, are they are strictly DHs? Aaron Judge is a great outfielder as well. So yeah. I, I I feel like it's a little cheap to give it to him. He needs to go out there and earn it in the outfield. Yeah, I don't like to give it to guys who use the DH as a rest day. Yeah. All right, well, there are batters for the month. Moving on to the starting pitcher. Uh, speaking of the Yankees and Aaron Judge, I did end up going with Garrett Cole. Uh, Five starts, three wins, no losses, 35 innings pitched, no home runs given up, only a .77 walks per nine and a 1.03 ERA. Uh, exactly what you've wanted from him all season. Kind of struggled a little bit throughout, but, you know, dominant towards the end. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't help them into the playoffs. But, you know, th that is a good sign to see from a guy that – this organization has a lot of money tied up in and it really needs to be that dominant ace. Um, I went a different direction. I went with Tariq Skubal, who is uh, a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. And he was really dominant this month. Uh, five starts, got a win in four of those, didn't, uh, and then a no decision. So no losses, a 4 and 0 record in this month. I really love this the dominance he kind of displayed not only going out there and looking good but striking out nearly 13 per nine um does walk a little bit more than cole but um gave up a lower era uh, a sub one 0 0.9 era with a fip at 1.32 and an expected fip at 2.16 so a really good month not only limiting runs but getting wins for a Tigers team that doesn't get a whole lot of wins and striking out a ton of batters. Yeah. 
That's a that's a good pick, Tarek Skubal. The Tigers made a huge push late in the year and ended up second in their division. Yeah. Uh, so he was a big part of that. Connor, I did go with Garrett Cole as well. I was kind of on the fence between him and Blake Snell. Uh, both had five appearances. Snell had a, a lower ERA, but Cole ended up pitching four more innings and walking eleven less batters. Granted, he didn't. He struck out seven less, but still really good outings uh, from Garrett Cole. So he is, you know, what the Yankees need him to be. The rest of the staff, starting staff at least, was extremely disappointing all year, especially Carlos Rodon. So to have Garrett Cole finish the year the way he did, really perform the way he did all year long, he should be the AL Cy Young winner. So uh, we're finishing strong and having, you know, an overall good year. Uh, I'll give my September pitcher to Garrett Cole. And then moving on to reliever, Billy, who'd you have up for that? I I did go with someone different. And I tell you what, this person was not on my radar even a little bit. Barely knew the name. James MacArthur had an absolutely bonkers month. He is a reliever for the Royals. Ended up getting four saves from them, two holds as well. Not a you know full time closer, but four saves, no blown saves. In fact, no earned runs. In fact, no walks. In over 14 innings, 18 strikeouts, no walks, no hit by pitches. I mean, I, there's really not much more to say besides that. Like, he was just absurd this month. Yeah, awesome. I'm right there with you. I had nowhere on my radar. I hadn't heard of him. And then I'm looking at the stats. And I'm like, holy crap. This dude just had himself a month right there to close out the season. I mean, it's it's impressive, you know, playing in the majors at, you know, any amount of innings, not only not walking anybody, not only not, you know, giving up any home runs, but having a zero ERA and only having a one, 172 batting average against is incredibly impressive. So, I mean, you've, you've got to tip your hat to him, especially stepping into a role that he's not really a, a full-time closer. Uh, I was really impressed. So that does wrap up our September team of the month right there. Uh, we'll be coming back at you guys with a team of the year here probably in a few weeks as we're winding down postseason talk. Uh, but we're going to jump kind of right into the MLB postseason now. Uh, as we mentioned, we've got some wild card games going on as we're recording this. I think the Phillies, Marlins, and then – was it Brewers and Diamondbacks are both playing right now? Yep. Yeah, so those games are on the uh, AL wildcard series. Both of those are over as of earlier today. So the Rangers beat the Rays in two games, and the Twins go on to their first uh, you know, postseason series win since 2002, beating the Blue Jays in two. So uh, some pretty exciting stuff happening there. But – uh. Let's just uh, kind of skip over the wild card. I know we've missed most of it, but uh, what do y'all feel about the ALDS and the NLDS coming up here? So obviously the Astros and the Orioles are both heavy favorites going into these series, but I was really impressed by the Rangers, especially 
uh, and they're matching up with the Orioles, correct? Yes, they are. So, I mean, that's their matchup up with the Orioles is going to be closer than a lot of people might think. The Rangers have really been the best offensive team in the American League all season, and the Orioles are hot, but I mean, apparently so are the Rangers. And if it comes down to pitching, I, I really don't know who I like more. I think they're both pretty even on the pitching front. You know, unfortunately, DeGrom and Scherz are both out for the Rangers. If they're both healthy, I think it's a totally different series. But um, with the Rangers working with what they've got healthy and the Orioles, you know, don't have the most um, experienced roster, I guess you could say. I I think it'll I think we'll see probably a full five games. In those five games, I do still lean towards just the team that you know went on to have the best record in the American League, and that is the Orioles. Yeah, it's interesting because it's two young teams that neither of them have significant playoff experience. And the guys that do have that playoff experience are injured. Um, well, I think there's one player on the Rangers that kind of is the reason I think that they would win it. If they win, it'll be on the back of Corey Seager, former World Series right, MVP. Yes. Corey Seager, I mean, nutty year. Dude, dude when yeah. he was healthy, he was possibly the best hitter in baseball. But um, I actually, I think I like the Rangers over the Orioles, when it comes down to pitching, outside of Kyle Bradish and what he has shown this year for the Orioles, I'm not sure who I'd trust. The bullpen is fine. Bullpen's great. Well, Felix Bautista's is hurt. Yeah. Yes. Starting-wise, I don't know who i trust outside of Kyle Bradish. See, so I'm I... I'm not sure I 100% trust Kyle Bradish. Yeah, Kyle Bradish is, is not who you right. want to be your ace, which is why yeah. I think... In all seriousness, I think Grayson Rodriguez gets the ball game one for me. He's very young and inexperienced, but since he came back up from AAA, he got sent down halfway through the season, has been called up, and has been nasty. His velo has ticked up over a full mile an hour since he went down, and he has uh, changed his pitch mix just a little bit, and it's worked, and nobody's seen him. I don't know if he's played the Rangers, uh, faced the Rangers at all, but if they have, it was only once. And I think the limited at-bats, the limited scouting report that teams have on him is going to be a bit of an X factor in the playoffs. And I say this all the time, a young pitcher versus a veteran hitter does have an advantage over the opposite where it's, you know, an older pitcher and a younger hitter. I, I Something about the young pitcher who just hasn't been seen that much can be very dangerous. Hmm. You know, I hadn't really thought about the pitching situation for the Orioles too much. But, I mean, if the Rangers can get an outing like what they got out of Jordan Montgomery, out of some of their other guys, I mean, he's, you know, Nathan Navaldi who pitched today, is their ace right now with, like you said, with Scherzer being on out and stuff. So, I mean, they've got a great, another great option there, but Jordan Montgomery came out and had himself a day yesterday. So if they can get another outing like that, 
out of any of their guys. I mean, you got to think they've got, you know, obviously an aging world is Chapman coming out of the pen, but, you know, he's still got some juice left in the tank and pitched well. So uh, I think I've got to agree with Billy and that the Rangers are going to take this, especially uh, if Corey Seager stays healthy for the postseason. I think this Rangers team is going to be very, very dangerous. But, you know, they've also got Marcus Simeon, who we were talking about earlier in our team of the month. I think Adolis Garcia has had a good season. So, I mean, they've got a, a lot of great pieces on this team. And uh, I think that they've got a great opportunity to go all the way. Uh, let's move on to the Astros matchup against the Twins. I am assuming we're all just taking the Astros here. I mean, they've they're the, they've been yeah. the class of the American League for the past half decade. At least, yeah, five, six years. I mean, it's impressive the run that they've been able to put together. This is just a great team top to bottom, especially getting Verlander, getting Verlander back, uh, even though he's not fully healthy right now. I think that's just a big boost to that team. Uh, Framber Valdez is just still outstanding. I mean, we saw him in the World Series last year, and he was great. So uh, they still have all the pieces there, and I think they'll easily be able to handle the Twins. Also, uh, I think just the the experience and these guys know how to go out there and win a playoff series. Dusty Baker knows how to win a playoff series as well. He knows how to manage the playoffs. Um, I like the I like the Astros here. I would love to see the Twins win it, but I just think that. The Astros are going to get more out of their pitching, and I think their you know their star players are going to shine here, and the lineup's just too deep, top to bottom. I think, uh, so I like the Astros. And do they have anybody that hasn't been in the postseason at this point on the roster? Yeah. I'm looking through. and I mean, Do they have any rookies, I guess? I don't think they have any rookies that are starting No, because Jeremy Pena was a rookie last year for them. Yeah, won World Series MVP for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to look through their, their roster, and I don't see anybody. So, I mean, it's just that experience is going to help them out so much. And now we don't know exactly what the matchups are going to be for the NLDS yet. Uh like we said, these games are still going on, and they're all very, very close right now, so we don't really want to speculate on that. But just looking at the Braves and Dodgers, uh, I don't really see a whole lot of hope for either of these other two teams, you know, whoever it's going to be facing those guys, uh, to really make that big of a scare for either of those two teams. I mean, those – both the Braves and the Dodgers are just juggernauts, and I easily see them clearing any of the other four teams. Do y'all have anything that you're we'd be worried about for either of those teams? I'm low key worried about the Phillies, man. Uh, they got hot at the end of the year. They have a solid pitching staff, solid bullpen, and that offense can come to life at any minute. My biggest concern for the Braves is their pitching staff, really. Uh, so if the Phillies offense can get going and, and score some runs, then it's going to be tough for you know the Braves to keep up with that, I think, even though the Braves offense is super high-powered as well. 
I do like the Phillies pitching staff a little bit more. This is obviously assuming that they handle the Marlins, which they're up one nothing right now. Um, but yeah, that would be my biggest concern. I think LA is probably going to roll, even though the pitching staff has been a question mark this year. I think they're going to be okay. I think they'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I think my biggest concern would be the Phillies getting hot and, uh, that could be a concern for the Braves. Yeah, we saw it last year. Uh, the Braves are in much uh, a better spot than they were last year when they the two ran up uh, into each other in the NLDS. Um, but you're right, the pitching is concerning. Max Freed dealing with a little blister on his finger, um, so not you know fully healthy. Charlie Morton obviously out this series uh, will be back or potentially could be back for the championship series if the Braves do advance, but will be a no-go for the division series. So you have to look at their pitching as Spencer Strider as your ace. And then you don't really know who you're going to roll with after that. Kyle Wright was a 20 game winner last year, but has missed almost the entire season. And when he's come back the last few weeks, he hasn't looked great. Maybe they think he's going to be ready and will step up when the you know the lights are bright. And obviously Bryce Elder was an all-star pitcher this year. Had the ERA title at one point, but has looked pretty bad uh, in the last month or almost two months, really. And then you have a, a litany of young and experienced pitchers who um, don't really have any experience pitching in the, the postseason, so... Like I said, with the Orioles, that could be a good or a bad thing. Personally, um, I'm not really a, a big fan of any of them other than AJ Smith Shaver, who I think actually you know has some potential. So I'm I'm hoping he's you know the one that they go have out there. But we'll see how they match up. Zach Wheeler is a beast. Aaron Nola, very experienced, although he's had a down year. Ranger Suarez, a really crafty lefty. Um, I I wouldn't say I I wouldn't predict the Phillies to beat the Braves, but if it does happen, I wouldn't be the most shocked. Yeah, I'm not predicting that they take down the Braves either, but that would be my biggest concern if I'm the Braves or really any other team that's in the NL right now is that offense mm-hmm. really picking up steam. But uh, And then do you all see any difficulties for the Dodgers with either the Brewers or the Diamondbacks? I mean, the Brewers pitching um, is the best right now uh, when they get to the division series. I would assume Brandon Woodruff will be back. He's out for this uh, wild card round, but it's looking like the Brewers might not even move on. Yeah. So, I mean, if if the Diamondbacks move on, I think I, I think the Dodgers handle them pretty well, but Brewers could be tough simply because Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff both can shut you out. And then Freddie Peralta is a number two on a lot of staffs and he's their three. So it kind of just depends on how the Dodgers pitching is able to perform because they are also much like the Braves dealing with a lot of injuries there. And Julio Arias, obviously not injured, but dealing with another reason that he would be not currently available. 
All right, and I, I guess we'll stop there. Uh, we'll have more thoughts on the postseason as those uh, matchups get closer, but uh, I don't necessarily think we have to give a, a World Series pick right now or anything. I say we move on to some NFL talk. What's up, everyone? I'm here to tell you about the Simon Short Podcast. Every Thursday, I deep dive topics related to the NFL, pro hoops, pop culture, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the Simon Short Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's really not too much I want to recap on um, over last week. I think the the biggest one that I just think kind of deserves a little shout out is the Buffalo Miami game. Buffalo actually stomped Miami 48 to 20. And we were both just talking about how, or all three of us, I think we're talking about how we see Miami as the best team in that division. And obviously it was a home game for Buffalo, but I had, you don't want to lose by 28 if you're Miami and you have aspirations to win the whole damn thing. Well, and especially not after dropping 70 granted it was on the Broncos, but still. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's definitely some tension flowing in that game as well. Uh, yep. <laughs> those yes. teams don't like each other too much. Uh, so that was, you know, the Bills were amped up, man. And they, I think, wanted to send a message to the Dolphins after they dropped 70 on the Broncos last week. Yeah, definitely. Josh Allen looked good, took care of the ball. Finally. Uh, the yes, ball, it's about time. Monster game. But besides that game... There's one more game I want to talk about from last week. That's the Bears and the Broncos. I was hoping we could avoid this one. The relegation bowl. The relegation bowl. Game that a lot of us thought would be a snooze fest. And it was for most of it until the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who do you blame this loss on if you're the Bears? The blame has got to be on the defense there. You can't – I mean, what was it? Was it 28-7 to seven in the fourth quarter? Pretty brutal. Justin Fields looked surprisingly good at the beginning of that game. Uh, was moving the ball well, both on the ground and through the air. Uh, just couldn't quite keep it together for an entire game. Uh, towards the end, it kind of looked more like the Justin Fields that we know and love and are used to. So not really a whole lot of surprise there. I do think the better team ended up winning that. But seeing the Bears in a good position and you know really choke like that, you got to wonder: Are they even capable of you know winning the big game? Are they going to be exactly what we all kind of thought the Cardinals were going to be? Yeah, uh, they're both pretty bad teams who have really bad defenses. So, no shocker really that it was choked at the very end. I think either team was <laughs> capable of doing that. Yeah. Um. Do y'all have any thoughts on the Chiefs Jets game? Like Mahomes played really bad the first time he's been like completely outplayed as a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you know, by Zach Wilson of all people. I I was shocked. I I wasn't expecting anything in that game. Uh except a a lack of being able to watch touchdown celebrations. But, uh, I mean, Zach Wilson played the best football I've ever seen out of him. He was putting passes exactly where they had to be. He looked confident and comfortable back there in the pocket. 
So I don't know if he just got a, a really good pep talk from Aaron before the game or what, but uh, I, I was a little impressed by what I saw. I mean, the Chiefs defense is no slouch and he, he showed some promise. I mean, he did screw up late and potentially cost them the game, but I think what more so cost than the game was that lack of a holding call on that third and 22 when well, the, the just the that, end was, yeah. There were, there were several other plays, uh, most notably the defensive holding. Was it, was it pass interference or holding that was called on sauce? It was holding, I believe. It was holding. That's, yeah. That's what I thought. Um, I did not agree with that call. Uh, and as you mentioned, the third and 20, to scramble by Mahomes, um, that looked like a hold to me. Now, a lot of people have come out with different angles, and you know the ref was right there. I, I there, it's hard to say it was a missed call because the ref was standing right there and had every opportunity to call it. I think the tackle just absolutely manhandled Jermaine Johnson, and it's. I mean, when you're getting just absolutely, you know, thrown around like that, you're not going to get a holding call against you because you're not really making any attempt to get past him. And I feel like, you know, with the holding call, you've kind of get got to get out as a defender. You've got to get outside of the lineman's chest to where his arms kind of have to extend. But uh, no, I mean, he just, I mean, it was bear claws right on his chest and he was going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, my issue with it was that the two were parallel, right? They were facing each other chest to chest. And Jermaine Johnson kind of tries to, you know, run to the right. Mm-hmm. And he he's not able to because I think he was getting held. Yeah, yeah he, he wasn't able to create that separation. He Yeah, he wasn't able to, to move horizontally because he was being held, but there was no jersey pull or – the ability to get outside the frame of the lineman because he was being held. Uh, so that was my issue with that. The sauce, the sauce call was a little interesting because I think the flag came in. Well, it came in late, but I think what caused the flag is sauce. The receiver released inside and sauce kind of, they were tight at the line and sauce kind of had his right hand around the left shoulder of the receiver Meanwhile, it wasn't necessarily a grab, but it was kind of impeding the progress of the receiver going up the field. I think that's where the holding call stemmed from. Uh, so against like the rest of you know everybody talking about this, I kind of don't have a huge problem with that call just because of the optics from the ref's point of view. I think kind of you know played into that, but yeah, other than that, Zach Wilson. Played a great game, but still found a way to screw up in a major way by just straight up dropping a snap. Yeah, he basically uh, caught that snap and then just like handed it over to the Chiefs. Yeah, just yeah. kind of like dribbled it back to them. So. Yeah, like bowled it right through up yeah, to the. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. he had a good game, but like you got to go out there if you're the number two overall pick, man. I know he hasn't lived up to expectations whatsoever. But you're playing a game like that against the best quarterback in the league and you got him on the ropes, like, that is the last thing you can do. Like, if you throw a pick, you throw a pick. But if you just straight up drop a snap and shotgun even, like, a yeah. good snap, like, 
it was a little low but it was like quad like thigh high you know like you, you there's gotta, no excuse for it there's no excuse for that man you gotta you gotta come up with that yeah so zach wilson's like zach wilson is just almost had it man and just blew it all away just he, can't quite get there when when building his character he uh put all of his points towards closing on uh closing with moms <laughs> and not against in football games <laughs> So looking forward now, there are a bunch of stinkers this week. There are two games on my radar that I, I really think are going to be telling. The first one of those is going to be a Sunday a- afternoon game. Bengals-Cardinals. I'm predicting the Cardinals to win this since he's favored by three. But, I mean, look through four weeks, the Cardinals have been leaps and bounds better than the Cincinnati Bengals have. Joe Burrow is the worst quarterback in in the entire NFL uh, right now. And I don't necessarily see why the the jump will be this week. Maybe it will. I hope it is because I love me some Joe Burrow and I need to see some, you know, connection between Jamar Chase and Burrow and, and Higgins and, but I, I just don't know, know if this is going to be the week. The Cardinals have played such good football. Josh Dobbs, I mean, right now, Josh Dobbs is the better quarterback. Especially with how good they played against the 49ers. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think the Cardinals can win this game. Uh, before the season, I would have said that this was an easy loss and that Joe Burrow was going to go out there and just dominate. But they're, aside from Christian McCaffrey, their defense held up real well. Uh, and like you said, Josh Dobbs is looking like a good quarterback right now. I mean, he's putting them in a position to win every game. Uh, I don't see anything to hate about this Cardinal team at the moment. Their fourth quarters have been disastrous. If yeah. the Cardinals could just hold up in the fourth quarter, they are going to win several football games this year. Like they're they're going to be a five win team if they can just hold up, figure out a way to hold up in the fourth. Josh Dobbs so far this year has just looked so in control, mm-hmm. really, of the offense and comfortable, which is not something I expected at all after being picked up like a week and a half before the season started. He just came in here and is doing his thing and is looking confident and in control, which, like I said, not something I expected. But as far as the Bengals go, yes, obviously Joe Burrow has been a huge disappointment so far. Maybe he should have listened to Jamar Chase and sat out till week five and gotten fully healthy. Uh, I know you can't, like you said, Austin, you can't blame all of this, all the struggles so far on the calf, but uh, the offensive line has not really given him a whole lot of help either, especially on a quarterback that's a little hobbled with a calf injury. They've been trying to fix this line ever since he got to the league, and it just hasn't really gelled very well. Uh, so yeah, that game is definitely interesting to me. And then obviously the best game of the weekend, well, what we expect to be the best game of the weekend, Cowboys 49ers. Yes. Sunday night football. Oh yeah. This is the game. Yeah. The 49ers have knocked the, they've knocked the Cowboys out of the playoffs the last two years. So what do you guys think is the key to the Cowboys winning this game? The Cowboys are going to have to establish the run game and find a way to stop McCaffrey. Uh, 
Dak Prescott is just not the most consistent quarterback in the league. We've seen it time and time again. And the 49ers have really shown that they've kind of got his number and have him figured out. And their defense is just so amazing that they're going to need Tony Pollard to find a way to get, you know, three, four yards to carry here and really get that ground game moving. So then they can rely on that, you know, occasional big play from, you know, CD or whoever else they can get the ball to in the air. Uh, And that defense for them is going to have to find a way to stop Christian McCaffrey. I think if they can prevent him from doing so much damage and really force Brock Purdy to beat them, I think that that's where their biggest chance lies of winning this game. Because, you know, we've talked about it. Brock Purdy is an average NFL quarterback, which is really all you need to be on the 49ers team. When you've got a guy like Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, George Kittle, Debo, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you've got all these insane playmakers. But uh, if they can really force the ball to be in his hands and force him to make mistakes, I think that's where their biggest opportunity is. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you mentioned – you know, they, they need those explosive plays. And that's a, what I think has been lacking for the Cowboys. They only have, I believe, three plays over 30 yards. Uh, only two of those being passes. And one of them was a 31-yard reception, 31-yard pass and, and catch. So they really need to step up and have a couple big plays, I think, this game in order to win. And then you mentioned it with McCaffrey that – I mean, McCaffrey is this offense um, without him. I think they go from an elite offense to just a solid average, a slightly above average offense. The weapons that Purdy has to pass to are obviously going to keep him being, um, or, you know, keep giving him options to throw the ball, but you want to have Purdy beat you through the air rather than McCaffrey beat you on the ground. Yeah, my key for the Cowboys to win this game, they're 30th in the league in red zone touchdown percentage. They have to start converting those opportunities into touchdowns, especially against good teams. You saw what happened when they played the Cardinals and they couldn't convert the red zone. They lost to not a very good team, I would say. The 49ers are a really good team, best in the NFC, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Great defense. So it's going to be tough enough to get in the red zone as it is. But when you get down there, you're going to have to score touchdowns because this offense, like you guys have said, with Christian McCaffrey and then the weapons that Brock Purdy has at his disposal, they're going to go up and down the field. They're going to be able to score. Uh, This offensive line for San Francisco is no joke. It's going to be the toughest test that Dallas has faced all year. Okay, yeah, they made the the Giants O-line look like Swiss cheese. Well, look what happened to the Giants on Monday night. 11 sacks. So, obviously, this is going to be their toughest test yet. They're going to have to get pressure on Brock Purdy and uh, really focus on the run game, like you guys have said. Focus on the run game. Make sure that Christian McCaffrey does not beat you, which is a lot easier said than done. But make Brock Purdy drive up and down the field and hit his receivers. Honestly, Cody, you said, you know, we've said Brock Purdy is an average quarterback. How much longer can we say that? The dude just wins football games. I mean, he completed like 21 of 23 passes last week against the Cardinals. The dude just wins football games. I, Obviously, he's he's aided by 
a great system, great players, and a really good offensive line. But how long can we continue to say that Brock Purdy is just an average quarterback? I know the traits aren't off the chart. Arm strength isn't elite. So here's where I'm at on this situation. He is an average quarterback, and I mean that as the utmost praise. He's not flashy at all. He makes the passes. He doesn't turn the ball over unnecessarily. All right, uh, Austin, since you hosted last week, I'll let you have the honors of seeing who you want first. Well, thank you. I, I do appreciate that. Um, I guess since we were just talking about him, uh, give me C.J. Stroud here. Okay, C.J. Stroud. They are playing the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta this week. He is projected 16.8. I will start him out at 15 for you. He's had a hot start to his career so far. Uh, I'll take him for, give me 17 and a half. I will go 18. Uh, I'll go 19. 19 for CJ Stroud. Playing the Falcons. You know what? I'll go 20. I really thought I would scare you off of 19. 22. Take him. All right, Austin secures CJ Stroud for 22 points with a long way to go. Carter, who is uh, your next pick? I would like to see AR 15. AR 15, I don't. Uh, they're playing the Titans this week. He is projected 20.7, but I'm going to start him out at 18 points. Give him to me for 18.5. 18 and a half. Austin, are you interested? Um, yeah, I'll do 20. I'll do 20 and a half. I'll do 21. I'll do 21 and a half. I'll do 22. I'll let you have them. So I've got to find someone less than six. Let's see here. I think you'll have Tajay Spears. Let's see what you got him for. All right, so they're playing the Colts. He is projected 8.6, but I started him at five points. So okay. He is- um, yeah, I'll do five. I'll do 5.8, see how much you want him. Um, yeah, I'll do six. Yeah, at this point, might as well. Yeah. All right, that gives me the run of the board. All right, Austin spends all 50 on three players, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Tajay Spears. Connor, the world is your oyster. Give me Bijan. Bijan? Yep. Playing the Texans at home, he's projected 18.4, but my starting bid is 16. Oh, lock it in. Lock it in at 16? Oh, yeah. There you go. Bijan is yours. Where would you like to go now? Gosh, I mean, so many options. 34 points to um, play with. Hey, give me Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers, he is playing the Steelers. A divisional matchup. Projected 12.1. His starting bid is 11. Let's lock it in. I want to see my dog Sam Laporta here. Sam Laporta, they're playing Carolina. One of several... Detroit Lions on the board. 
Uh, they're projected. He is projected nine point seven, but I start him out at eight and a half. I'll go an even nine. So, who would you like to see next, Connor? I would like to see Bryce Young. Bryce Young, uh, they're playing at Detroit. He is projected twelve point two. Starting bid is twelve. No, just let's put all fourteen on Bryce and see how it works out. Okay, there it is, Bryce Young for fourteen points. Both players end up using all fifty. Uh, Austin secures Anthony Richardson, and C.J. Stroud, twenty-two points apiece, including Tajay Spears for another six points. Connor took Bijan Robinson, Zay Flowers, Sam Laporta, and Bryce Young. Uh, we left out Roshan Johnson, Jameer Gibbs, Jordan Addison, Jamison Williams, Demario Douglas, Dalton Kincaid, and Luke Musgrave. So a lot of a lot of good rookies left on the board this week, but the guys went hot and heavy and uh got their got their picks out of the way pretty quick. So uh be interested to see who comes out on top this week. And uh I think it should be a pretty good matchup. This feels yeah, like a I perfect thought... fifty for me here. Feel good about it. Nah, you're gonna miss Austin. Well, we'll see. I'm if I'm worried about anyone missing, it's it's Tajay, but that's fine. Only six points there. Yeah. My AR-15 is getting another concussion. Oh, yeah. I do have to be worried about that. <laughs> yeah, you do. Don't do that to my boy. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that wraps up the Tricky 50. We hit all the MLB playoffs. We hit our September team of the month. And we hit on a little week five preview. Nothing, nothing too serious. Just something light, but... You guys got anything else before we head out on this weekend? No, let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's get out of here, man. Uh, Hope all y'all have a good week. Another good week of football coming up. So uh, enjoy it and hope your teams win. Peace out. See you.